Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. with another episode for you. This is Holly and I'm here Amy. with... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I jumped the gun and Amy. <laughs> and Kristen. <laughs> and we have another special guest that we are so excited to have a conversation with today. We got another doctor. Another doctor is in. We think that bringing the expertise of physicians who understand the science can read the data, can decipher what's going on with the current pandemic, quote unquote unquote, pandemic that we've been in, um, they they can understand that. But I think also what I love about uh, Dr. Tony Maglioni, so I'm going to let him say his name in Italian here so he can say it properly. But here in the South, we call him Dr. Tony Maglioni or Dr. Tony, but he has been a cardiologist. Uh, He has been practicing, practiced all throughout the South since 1994, but moved to Wilmington, North Carolina in 2005. And that's how he got connected with Kristen. But Dr. Tony understands not just the health side of this conversation, but the, dare we say, political side. We've long said that this conversation has been way too politicized because people will even say often that if they think you voted a certain way, then you probably feel this way about masks and vaccines. And if you don't, then you probably feel you probably voted the other way. I mean, it's crazy how we've gotten lumped into this categorization of who people are based on how they've responded to the pandemic. And we wanted to have more of a conversation around all of this, but most importantly, we wanna talk about moving forward. How do we respond now? What do we do now to preserve the freedom in this country and to get ourselves out of the mess that has been created? So without further ado, I'm going to let Dr. Tony tell you a little more about himself. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, I'm, you uh, introduced me as a doctor, but I'm more than a doctor. I, uh, you know, became a, a pretty good thinker. God blessed me with the ability to read and research and learn things. And over the years, I've, I've learned a lot, not just through my profession, but from many other things. So my background is pretty simple. I uh, grew up in New York and we didn't know, um, anything other than what we were taught. We were taught what to think initially. And until I went to college, I didn't even hear another perspective on on many issues. And so I, you know, began to get that perspective and then went through, and then there was affirmative action. And believe it or not, I decided not to try to go outside New York. So I was a victim of the affirmative action in the very beginning. I'm the first casualty with better grades and school board scores that, uh, and I, 
could have said, oh, I'm being bitter about it. But I just went to Italy. I knew Italian. Italian was my first language. English is my second. So I went to Italy and went to medical school there. So I learned about Europe, Europe's response to the United States. I learned about socialized healthcare, being in Italy for five years, came back and trained in New York and then went to the Cleveland Clinic for cardiology and got you know very good training there. And came back and worked a little bit in New York eventually came down south because uh, I eventually was involved in a divorce and got eventually custody of my kids. And I became a single parent, on-call cardiologist, and really didn't have much time to read for about you know, a good 11 years. And then when I came to Wilmington in 2005, I had more time. And I read and read and read. And my kids were already college age and, and, and older. And so when I got that to that point, I started to be able to not just think of what are we doing in medicine? Because I'm sure your previous guests all talked about risk and benefits. And when COVID came, you know, you take every, every issue, distancing, masks, you know, the early treatment, everything else, lockdowns as to cost and benefits. And that was something from the very beginning, I was already skeptical because I started when I was, you know, came to Wilmington, started thinking about other things and doing some research. And I've you've written, you know, three books since then. One of them was on Obamacare, the first doctor to, to write a book on Obamacare back in uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago. And I knew at that time doing the research that it was about not making people healthier. It was simply about having control over people, having a universal system where you control people. And I knew from my experience in Italy that that was the worst thing for individuals. And it goes against how our country was founded and what our founding fathers wanted for us to have information for us on an individual basis and to be able to make our own choices. And I foreshadow all these things because that'll tell you why I think what I think when COVID happened. So you can understand I was very much an individualist. I started when they were passing Obamacare in 2009, I'll be honest with you, I was furious. I knew, I, it was like God gave me like a seer. I can see the future. I knew they were starting with control. It was nothing about making people healthy. And when you make people uh, feel like they need something and you give it, do it through fear, you know that that control is gonna be a negative thing. And when you have that, I was so angry, I started doing research and I wrote two books at that time, How to Vote to Save This Country and Obamacare, because I wanted to get the person out of office and repeal Obamacare. I was involved in, in the, the movement here at Wilmington for that. And, and we had several talks and, and symposiums on that. And so I was always been interested in all of that on a political basis, even, even to the point where I did political podcast and I did a call political pulse I was on the radio I've been a host for many years and I've been a guest you know since COVID on many on many stations and given a lot of talks and I can honestly say I'm the only person in this area that's a doctor that actually isn't afraid to speak up everybody else felt they had something to lose because most doctors here belong to the hospital system with Novant and so they're they're a little bit compromised as to what they can say and do and so this I knew was going to cause a problem. It's why I had left when the hospital was bought and decided that I was going to do my own thing because I've been that way for over 50 years. So that's how I got to this point. And so I got very upset and I knew that they were going to use opportunity like Alinsky, the first crisis that they can get. COVID became a crisis. They took an opportunity to create fear and then control people by creating what I would consider fake or false science and, and make people fearful 
that was just unrealistic. That had nothing to do with the facts because the facts were already there. They just had to be looked up. And, you know, I'll, I'll stop here. But I, there are lots of things we could talk about. The mass, social distancing, early treatment, the lockdowns, all these things. I had wrote a, pod, a, a, um, a blog in, at the end of March, beginning of April, that basically predicted everything that happened. And it wasn't that I could see the future. It's just that I knew the past and the future was just going to be a repetition of the past. And if you understand history, you can understand why we got to this point. And, you know, later on, I can go into the historical aspect and bring it up to date. But I'll stop here with that long introduction. No, that was great. I just have a question. I'm so interested in this. And I think a lot of people are, especially since you've had the training over in Italy, in Europe, um, socialized medicine. Okay. It sounds Great. And I know there are probably a lot of listeners who don't understand, you know, they might think, well, healthcare for all, free healthcare for all. Why not? That sounds so great. You know, that would be a really good thing. Or maybe they don't understand what that means or why you don't think that's a good thing. I think explaining um, what socialized medicine is and how it would not be good and why you didn't think Obamacare would be good for us would be really helpful for a lot of people. Sure. I mean, it's just the same thing that's happening nowadays where people are leaving certain states to go to other states where they, they are less repressed and less controlled. It's the same thing with socialized care. Like some countries, not England, not Canada, but in Italy and, and France and others, you had a choice. You had socialized care for everybody, but people can actually pr practice privately. And only about 5% of people could afford private care. And when you had a medical problem, if you had money, you would never think of going through the socialized system because it was terrible. There was a long wait. There's no incentive for people who work in it. The doctors, like in, in, to give you an example, in Italy, in August, they all go on vacation the first two weeks. So if you get sick, it's kind of like in, in, uh, in the United States, if you're in a residency program, it's not good to get sick in the beginning of July when the new residents take over and the interns. But <laughs> there, the, the doctors just left in August. You couldn't get sick. And, you know, I was there and I saw it from both the thing. I actually broke my ankle and I knew the system. So I was able to get there, you know, early enough in the morning. So I'd be the second person seen. But many people would wait two days to get seen for a broken bone, for example. So and the reason is there is no incentive when you don't have a free market system. There's a disincentive for people that are on salary to do more. Okay. And not everybody has that work ethic ability that somehow, you know, I always looked at it like I'm not answering to, to, to what I'm getting paid for. I'm answering and serving God in what he gave me ability to do. So therefore, I'm always going to do my best. But I would tell you that's an exception I've learned, especially in specialty medicine. Very few of them, they all think they, they earned what they earn and don't care about that. So any so in Italy, there's no incentive in England or in France or in, in Canada. Socialized medicine is a bust. And the reason we know that is that 90% of medicine is pretty routine. So it doesn't really matter. But the 10% that are the hospital based in the United States, we get about 30 million plus people going in and out of the hospital. That's the ones who need better care, whether it's trauma, cancer care, or cardiovascular care, or, or severe renal or lung care. We have the best in the world because we are the innovators. The United States, because of a free market system since 1800, we're responsible only 4% of the population, but we're responsible for over 70% of technology and medical advances. Why, did, why is it? Are we smarter? No, I can tell you. I know the Italians. I know people in Europe. We're not smarter than anybody else in the world. 
but we have the ability and the gung-ho of uh, know-how to keep getting at it till we got answers. And that's the difference. And a free market system sets that up. A socialized medicine is a disincentive for care and people become cold, just like I'm sure some, I think one of you worked in an ER, you know, you see the same drug person coming in for drugs and everything. You get a disincentive to take care of them after a while, you get cold. Well, that same mentality works there in, in, in Europe. And uh, so I knew very early on that socialized medicine was, as we say in the Bronx, was crap care. And, uh, and we have it here in the United States. It's called the VA. I'm a big advocate. I've spoken to a lot of people at the top about changing the VA system for those who do four years where they get Medicare and TRICARE. And so that to give an incentive to those who actually sacrifice and risk their lives for us to give them that. Because I, I'd rather they have that type of care than the VA, because the VA is the same as socialized medicine. People have a long waiting period and stuff. There are a few that are good in the country, but the majority are bad. And I learned that in practice in the mid 80s, because I would get all these PTSDs before it became, you know, that term became available that were from the Vietnam War. And they had all these cardiac problems. And I kept saying, no, it's psychological that they are, there's other things going on here. And they wouldn't listen. They didn't care because they didn't have mental health back then, you know, for, for those people. And then it just hurt me because they ignored the truth. And so I know socialized medicine is a disincentive for good care, just like I knew Obamacare would be a disincentive. All it was was an incentive for control over people. They had panels. They were going to eventually determine at what age you can have certain equipment. And it's a rationing program. It happens in all socialized medicine programs because government doesn't do well taking care of your money. They actually just take more and, and abuse it more. Right. right. And that, rash, that rationed out care, you've got the problem with socialized medicine is you've got the rationed out care. There's not, there's really not always enough for it to go around for everybody. And then no incentive by the medical community, medical community to push for more, to reach for more because they're locked in and what they're able to do, which is why if you look at, for example, China, you look at Asia, you look at all these countries with these like genius minds and you ask yourself, why are they not more innovative than the United States as a whole? I mean, why has so much innovation come out of the US more so than it's come out of you know, Asia, where you see these ingenious minds. And I really believe it has to do with freedom. When you have the freedom and the incentive to push more, to discover more, to create more, to earn more, then right. you do it. And that's what's removed with socialized medicine that people the don't proof, understand. This, Holly, the proof is very simple. All the Asians that have come here that are professionals have actually done better than whites. Yeah. in terms of professionally, in terms of income and status. So obviously it, the incentive is there. The, so the intelligence, and, and the reason, it's not a question of intelligence, they actually work harder. They More do. Americans, have be, we've become a lazier country and yes. that's, you know, due to a lot of things, yes. including the educational system, et cetera, yes. um, which, has, which has caused, is another issue all, all in and of itself. Oh yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so socialized medicine is free. It's free, so that sounds great, but at what cost? You know? That's that's correct. Okay. Nothing, nothing nothing is, is free. free other right. than the God-given rights that God gave us. That's right. the only thing that's free that are inalienable. That's the that's the the bottom line. Anything the government does is not free. And anytime they feel that they should be in charge of your health, in charge of your finances, in charge of your decisions about wearing masks or vaccines and et cetera, all the other stuff, they are always, always on the wrong side with exception, with few exceptions. Sometimes well, they get it right, but not always, purposely. 
I think you always have to think like, where, who does this, if you step back and just think, okay, whenever any of these policies or plans or ideas, guidances, recommendations, whatever have you, who does it actually benefit, right? Like it, it, even though it seems good up front, if you really follow the trail, not just, you know, we always say follow the money, obviously right. when it says free like what like you said what is it really going to cost in the long term right so right. anything a lot of times that's a short-term sacrifice there's going to be some long-term right. issues or, it just, or sounds, it just sounds good you know yeah. it's like oh that sounds great but then if you don't dig past that first layer of that sounds great then you're yeah. never going to know the impact it's truly going to have right yeah. here's pearl number one is the bigger government gets the less liberty you have the less freedom you have and the less they're going to involve God. And basically it's about, like I said, power and control and money as Holly had said. Mm -hmm. and, and let me ask you a quick question about this girls. I think we were just talking about this week. You don't have to go to a doctor anymore to in the state of North Carolina to get birth control. You just now, as of this week, they say you can fill out a form with the local government agency to get your birth control. I had massive red flags go up about that. Like, oh, okay, let's get the government involved in, in our birth control and contraceptions. Like in, do you have any, do you, have you heard about this or do you have any thoughts on yeah. what this is about? Well, again, it's, they're doing it for ideal, ideological reasons. I mean, they feel, and I have no problem, birth control exists. And if women want it, they should do it. The question is a, a, a one of safety. And by the way, in Europe, you can get birth control without a prescription. You can get a lot of medicines without a prescription. But so it's not that it's unheard of. The fact is, all you're doing is like anything else, like aspirin. You know, it's over the counter. It gives the GI people a lot of business aspirin. Same thing with NSAIDs, you know, the ibuprofen, et cetera. So the bottom line is you're going to give, you know, the vascular surgeons business with clots and you're going to give the cardiovascular and cardiologist business because they're going to have more and more symptoms. The problem is, you know, some of them don't know if you're smoking and taking birth control pills, your chances go up 10 times for having clots and, and other problems and even a heart attack. So the, the problem is the information isn't out there to be an informed consumer. That's what's happened with all of COVID. They just went with things and they just basically, you know, some people say misinformed. In the Bronx, we call it lying. And the question is, why did, why did, they, why did they lie? They lied because the people say, Oh, they just didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. I'm going to teach you something that I don't know if you know. Cloward Piven, if you know of those two, they were professors. They're a married couple. They were professors in Columbia back in the 60s. And they were communists, basically. And they believed in creating chaos and, and disruption and, and for change, to change the government the way you want it to be changed. The same thing happened with COVID. Fear is only a means of trying to create people to be subservient and listen so that you can change it the way you want to, to do. And so, and it was proof to me because as you very well know, just simply on masks, there was never a study showing that masks were effective for the flu. And when they did do studies, it wasn't effective, which is why nobody wore a mask for the flu all these decades. But the COVID happens to be the same size as the flu virus, it's the SARS-2. That, uh, happens to be the same size in, in terms of nanometers. And so why would it all of a sudden work? Of course it doesn't work. 
So the masks were used for another purpose. And how do we know that? The CDC did their own study, but they wouldn't advertise because of the propaganda the media is very simple. They looked at people who wore masks for eight hours a day and people didn't wear masks at all. And guess what? There was a 350% increase in the people that wear masks. They wouldn't come to the conclusion that masks didn't work. They went around and made other lies in the conclusion. But to me, the conclusion's obvious. Not only do masks not work, they're harmful to you. And 350%, as you very well know, statistically, anything over 5% is, is significant. Anything over 100% is like, like night and day. 350 is pretty conclusive. So, and, and by the way, they had three other studies. That was in 2020. In 2021, they had three other studies looking at kids wearing masks and school-age kids, and they saw no difference. Yet they, all these people who are constantly forcing, look at Loudoun County in Virginia, to wear masks. To me, I'm going to tell you right now, it is my belief, this is not political, this is scientific. It is my belief that you are abusing kids by making them wear masks, by having kids at college age have to get vaccines because the risk outweigh the benefits in every situation. There's enough data there to, to do that. I know you've had guests there before that have validated the same thing that I'm, conclusion that I'm making now. And it's just sad because, you know, our kids, we should be treasuring our kids. This government doesn't care about the kids. If they did, they would let each individual school board make their own decisions and then let, let it be local, which is what our founding fathers wanted. All this stuff coming from above is purely totalitarian. And you know, I hate to say it and not to be pessimistic because I think we'll overcome it. I think 2021 was the first year in the history of our country that we have tyranny. We have tyr medical tyranny with misinformation. We've had mil military tyranny as you saw with, the, with how we got out of Afghanistan. We've had moral tyranny for many, many years. We've had educational tyranny for at least two generations. We have tyranny on every aspect and people don't understand that the cancel culture and not letting people express their views, which is why, you know, I like to be on shows like this. I like people to listen. Look, they can disagree. Nobody, I always invited anything I say, if you have a study that you want me to look at, let me see it. I'll look at it objectively. You know, I, as a cardiologist, you guys are, are too young, but we had to give in the nineties, it was very well proven. We had over 130,000 the nurse study where we knew that giving um, uh, estrogen was beneficial for people for their bones, for postmenopausal, you know, um, uh, people for uh, to have women to have to help in terms of not getting as much osteoarthritis. And we knew it actually helped with heart disease, but it caused about a 1% increase in, in breast cancer. But that was a retrospective study survey, which really wasn't a prospective when they finally came out. So I was telling people to get estrogen in those situations, women, and I was wrong because once they did a prospective study, it was proven that the cancer risk was probably double and the heart risk was minima, minimized. And so the risk benefit ratio changed. And so obviously things in medicine aren't completely finite forever, but what we know we should be doing because as, as you guys have had people before, off-label medicine, those who've done you know, any cardiology training, you know, amiodarone, we, uh, we were the, and at the Cleveland Clinic in the mid 80s when I was there in 84, we basically were the first people in the States to use amiodarone because we saw that the Israelis were using it successfully. It was only approved in the United States as a VTAC, VFib drug, you know, for, you know, ventricular arrhythmias. We don't use it for that anymore. In fact, they, it used to be on the code card for codes and we used to be giving it IV. 
um, in certain situations, which were pretty much unsuccessful. But anyway, it was given. But now we use it for AFib. It's not, it's off-label, the use for AFib. There's no cardiologist that uses arrhythmia other than for atrial fibrillation. And so that's an off-label. We use like about 10% of our drugs are off-label. And so we knew with early treatment that there were drugs that we can use based on data that was coming out of France. One of the nice things about knowing other languages and knowing this, and I can kind of check things that go out, you know, with the internet, you can check things that go out in Europe. And we had so much information early in February and March and April that it is stunning that it was ignored by the public health people, you know, number one culprit, you know, a, a fellow Italian, unfortunately, named Fauci with the first name, <laughs> with the first name that's similar to mine, Tony. <laughs> well, we, we want to ask you about him and, and, and I want to follow up on what you just said. Dr. McCullough, Peter McCullough, he was working with Italy right away, just like you said, when the initial right. data was coming out, he was emailing with all of these Italian doctors. And right. as you said, they were already coming up with protocols. This seems to help, this seems to not. And you're right, the data was there, but it was ignored because here we are, you said, science Ask why. Why? Ask, ask why. Oh, well, oh, because why they had it, a, oh, they because had an here agenda. there was an agenda to yep. lie to us. An and agenda. like I said, it was done on purpose. Look, most people follow because they just told what to think and they just followed along with what they were told. But most people at the top, they knew exactly what they're, they're doing, Fauci and the others. And it had, and in the end, to me, it cost, I calculated, I'm, I'm kind of a math nerd um, in numbers. And basically they probably cost about 250,000 American lives by not allowing early treatment that was done in other parts of the world. And I can give you some data on that if you like. And yeah. probably over 2 million people in the world died. To me, those are crimes against humanity. There's worse than anything that was done, you know, uh, obviously since World War II. And so, and we know, you know, what happened then. And we're breaking the Nuremberg Code by these, you know, mandates, whether they're masks or vaccines or anything to do with their health. Because I contend that masks are harmful for you. And that the only thing that would work is if you wear an N95, which are meant to wear for only two or three hours and protects you. You know, we know masks are good in hospital settings and home care and, and clinics and nursing homes. And, uh, you know, you saw what was done. We knew before March, before we had our first real death in the United States, that people over 80 in Italy, that data was already there were the predominant people dying. And we have over a million people in skilled nursing homes that only have a 14 to 15 month survival in those skilled nursing homes. So when you start not treating them or bringing, or bringing COVID into there, you're letting them die a year sooner than they're supposed to. And it's, you know, not that that, for them it might not make a difference, but for people who actually believe in God and children of God, you know, it's sad because it's preventable. Um, two things before we head over to our favorite subject, Fauci. Um, <laughs> um, just to follow up too, just while you were talking um, with the kids, I just wanted to make the point, you know, when you were talking about the masks, you know, when you said it's not about them, it, never in a million years will we have thought that like, really what they're saying is kids wearing the masks are protecting the adults. They, they're, they're not even saying that the kids wearing masks is protecting them. Like, and even the vaccines, it's like, they want the kids to be vaccinated to protect other people. It's not about them. You know, they're not, they, it, very few 
very few kids are dying from COVID, just COVID. I mean, I know people are going to be like, oh my gosh, yes, there are. There's several hundred kids, but like there are, there's studies showing that the only kids truly that are dying, they have severe comorbidities. And of course, God bless their souls and their families. We don't want any of these kids to die, but the reality is they, they are, but it's not because of not getting vaccinated or not, or because they're not wearing a mask. That's not going to be their protection. And then the other thing is when you're talking about it, I truly believe, and we've talked about this so much. I love that you pointed out that you changed your mind based on evidence. And we all know science does change. You know, that is, it evolves. We learn more, but as we learn more, that's when we change. Like, I mean, if we learn that what we're doing isn't working, then let's change it. And I think that so many more people like me would be so much more trusting and appreciative if they were transparent. If they come out and said, you know what, we did this all wrong, but we thought we were doing it right. Even if they said, you know, and like you said, they knew, they either know and they did it with an agenda or they didn't know and, and they're, they're ignorant. Really and that's even worse. If right. they're in charge well, yeah. of our public health <laughs> policy, like both both options are terrible. Right. And that's why we're over here scratching our heads that, you know, <laughs> science has changed, but yet we're still doing the same things we did in 2020 and it's 2022 now. Definition well, of insanity. It's yeah, it's the politicization of, of of science, which basically what we call it bastardizes it, makes it unreliable. Just to, to give you, to add to your point, they actually, when you look at the Atlanta Research Group, looked last year and checked out 500 VA hospitals, and they saw that 48% uh, of the COVID deaths actually were not from COVID, were with COVID. And guess what? The VA has no incentive to, to falsify the records as much because they're not getting money. Like the other hospitals, they're actually getting more money if people are getting certain treatment, if they have a diagnosis of COVID, if they die from anything and call it COVID. So we know that probably about 60-70% of the COVID deaths were not really from COVID, that were from other things. And so that's a gross exaggeration. And that, again, was to create a sensation of fear. So if you have enough fear, by the way, if anybody in medical community bases their treatment on fear, you need to get away from that provider right away because we have, and you know, this is again, as Hollywood would, would, would agree, this is a biblical thing. If you don't have love and hope and you have only fear and despair, you don't have anything. We're here on earth with God's grace for hope and love. And we know there's hope and we know what the statistics are. Just to let you know about the kids, when you look at the data, just like from the Atlanta, Atlanta group research and, and extrapolate it with numbers like I did do in my head a lot of times, um, basically probably one fourth as many kids die from COVID as they do from the flu. And you don't hear any of that talked about. And then all these unintended consequences for what they did in terms of the extra 100 to 150 deaths a day from drugs, the extra 40% increase from for suicide ideation, especially young, young women, teenage women, um, more suicides, more homicides, more mental depression, more yeah. alcoholism and deaths from car accidents. These are all measurable. And the reason I say they're measurable, they were actually measured by several insurance companies the third quarter of 2021. I think you might've seen that written. We did. And there was a 40% increase. And it had did not, of young people under the age of 30 that die because they have to give out you know, the life benefit, 
It's an insurance company for life insurance. And basically they had 40% increase that wasn't attributable to COVID, that there was, was not the issue. It was other things. So we know the disasters. When you have a policy, you have to look at the whole picture, which is why coming on the show, I wanted to be able to, to tell you why they're lying eventually and also to tell you what you can do for yourself and, and for your country You know, when we finish up, because I want that message out there because we aren't just owned by them and can't do anything about it. Each and every one of us can do something like what you guys are doing, what I do and other people that have done in the community. Even if if the, the least thing you could do is pray, it's gonna have an effect. And yeah. you know, I know this as a doctor, as a cardiologist, I dealt with very sick people. We were the, the hospitalists before there were hospitalists. So for 20 years, I was the person there at night. It was only me, the ER doc um, who was there and the obstetrician. We were the only ones in the hospital at night. And bottom line is you see a lot of people, you know, die and you know that it's going to, it's going to happen. It's a question of what do you do about it? How do you approach it? How do you deal with family, et cetera? It's, it's a reality. And we have to deal with, with that, that, you know, that's right. Uh, and I, I think that is Dr. Malone talked about this. Dr. Robert Malone, uh, one of the inventors of the mRNA technology, talked about this just last night. I heard him say this, that he had noticed that people of faith were handling the pandemic. They had a perspective on the pandemic that was more peaceful than those that were not of faith. And I don't know his faith at all. He referred to Dr. Peter McCullough and said, most people don't know this. He is a man of great faith. And so it has allowed him to stick his neck out there and know I have hope. It's all I've got to do my part in a conviction, which is what I right. felt. You know, this is why we started this podcast. As I said to the girls, I don't want to do this, but I we need to do this. <laughs> like I, I don't want to stick my neck out there, but we've got to do this. And I want to encourage everyone because we are going to talk about this. We want Dr. Tony to tell us why they're lying and what we need to do. But I also want to encourage all of you listeners right now, when you share this podcast or you share the data that we are showing you or that you're finding from other people that can be trusted. When you share, when you have one-on-one -on -one conversations, you're making a difference. We cannot help everyone see things as they are unless we're willing to just start in our friend circles and saying, hey, have you looked at this? It's not about fighting. It's not about debating. It is literally saying, hey, have you considered this? Because you have no idea how much you asking a question make someone else think and have to look for themselves if they're willing to have an open mind, right? We've got to right. have those conversations. Well, let me just finish one point. Yeah. Uh, the prayer, I noticed the people that prayed, they did better. We know from studies, there are people that pray yeah. that don't even know who they're praying for to actually do better. I you know, always did. I always sent people for open heart and everything after working them up. And I would tell them that your attitude is going to create how well you do to think positive think of what you're going to do after surgery think of what you're going to do three months from now think ahead no negative thoughts and you know when i get into what we can do for ourselves i'm going to talk to you about the mental and physical and spiritual aspect as to why how your mental attitude is so so important so basically just to let you know since the beginning of this thing i told all my patients and to cross you know all political spectrums i had a lot of patients who are definitely from the other side but many of them, since I'm a cardiologist, I deal with older people, many of them are still religious and believe in God. So I use that as an avenue to get them to stay away from the hospital, to not do elective stuff, that the hospital, in my opinion, and I knew this in March and April, was going to be a killing field. One of the reasons I understood it is that in April, they started already using one of Fauci's friends' drugs 
IV remdesivir, an antiviral IV drug, that I know he had a connection with the Gilead guy in, in the pharmaceutical business, and it was all about money. And what that does, Ebola was treated with IV remdesivir and actually was worse than two other antivirals and killed 56% of the people that were, it was given to. Now, Ebola has a higher death rate than COVID, but that's a, that should tell you that, oh boy, we shouldn't use that drug. It's still being used today in many places. They stopped the study. They pulled it, right? They pulled it because it was killing so many people, right? Well, I think, I'm not sure if every hospital has pulled it. I think they pulled it here. No, but I'm, sure. I'm talking about during the study. No, it, oh, they're still the study, using yeah. remdesivir in the hospitals. Oh, Dr. yeah, they pulled Eric. it from the study. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. That's and, correct and, yeah. and we, I want to just, because I know what you just said was powerful, and uh, Dr. Tony, us three know who Gilead is, but I want to I want to make this really clear for our listeners. When he said there was a connection between Gilead and Fauci, Gilead produces remdesivir. That is who created the drug remdesivir, which is the IV therapy they're using in hospitals. That is the protocol from the federal government for the NIH for treating COVID hospitalized patients. Gilead is who creates it. And can you speak on that a little bit more? <laughs> Dr. Well, let, let me tell you about my Italian friend named Fauci. Okay. He's not a friend of mine, by the way. Um, he, you know, he's a bureaucrat. He's a technocrat. He's somebody involved in keeping his position. And you don't keep your position for over 50 years unless you're making deals. And in government, deals usually involve with the, you know, when you're talking about the deep straight, the, the entrenched bureaucrats that are in office, you're talking about power and money exchange. And the way he got powerful is because he would do what would help pharmaceuticals. In fact, the help he gave the pharmaceuticals helped another 40 pharmaceutical um, people in, in, in on the top of their companies to become billionaires. So they get to join the other 110 billionaires that are with Soros that meet every year and decide what the one world order direction should be for the United States and other places in the world. And this is not just something I'm speculating. This is true and it can be looked up and it's factual. So we know his his ability. Look, I was fortunate enough and lucky enough because I got stuck. I, you know, we were the, the lowest of the lowest residents in the Queens Hospital. We were associated with NYU and Bellevue. And we were the people getting blood for IV drug abusers who got eventually HIV. We didn't know it was HIV at the time. And if you got stuck with that, we did. You know, eventually I got tested years later when they were able to do that. But uh, we actually donated that blood. We would see the pneumocystis carini portion of HIV affecting IV drug users. And we were using Bactrim or Spectrum IV, very cheap. And we caused the guy, infectious disease guy out of NYU was using it and it worked. And since we were more the IV in, in Manhattan, they had more the, the, the gay uh, presentation of uh, HIV with the Kaposi syndrome, sarcoma. And so we, what we did is we treated, and about a year later, Fauci then became the head of his division in the NIH. And he told doctors not to use IV spectrum or IV Bactrim. And we kept using it because we saw that it worked and saved their lives. And we had people on respirators and stuff and, stuff and was able to turn it around. And so we did it um, and it was successful. Well, many people in the country didn't know. They didn't have the infectious disease guy from NYU giving them that advice. And so we know that calculated, it was about 17,000. They're all young people, they're in their twenties. Most of the drug users, some teenagers and some in their thirties died because of that. So Fauci has a record of killing people 
with advice that benefits a pharmaceutical company and, and actually kills people. And, and so I, it was at that time that I realized he's a bureaucrat and realized what was wrong. In fact, I wanted, I, when Trump became president, I applied and was actually screened although they got in touch with my kids who live in the state and probably heard bad things, but I did make it through the first barrier. I wanted to get there and get Trump's ear because I wanted him to get rid of Fauci amongst other things that I wanted done uh, because I knew how corrupt it was. These aren't organizations. Look, let me just tell you one story because I'm a storyteller. CDC, go back 1930s. Guess who was in charge of the Sigi experiment? The Sigis were blacks in Macon County, Georgia, who got syphilis and were treated with an experimental medication for syphilis. It didn't work. But what happened is in 1940s, very early, penicillin with Fleming, the mistake with the mold, we got penicillin and it treated syphilis. Do you think they changed the drug to give them penicillin just like now? Do you think they changed and allow us to use hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin? No, they let people, blacks, have tertiary syphilis and some of the family members that they gave it to. And it ended up being such, you know, uh, a terrible thing that, you know, but having a Nuremberg code and actually forcing that type of therapy, knowing that there's something better, that Clinton in the early 90s, when he was president, had to actually have a formal apology and there was some monetary compensation. And so it doesn't start just in the 80s. The CDC has done bad stuff since the 1930s, since they came into existence, even before they were called the CDC. And I'm just saying, this is what we're dealing with. We're not dealing with honest people. And there's no question Fauci is protected because he's also in cahoots with our Department of Defense and using and gaining function in bioweapons. This is not something that's secret, although everybody likes to close their ears and pretend that stuff doesn't happen. So that's kind of why he's still there and protected. That he's there and protected. And that's what we want people to understand Again, like I, I can't say for sure that I know he is protected, but there's got to be a reason why someone who is repeatedly has a history of advising drugs that we can see with retrospect were not the right calls. Why he? There's no recourse. Why is there? Why is there no accountability? And you you, you talked about the Department of Defense, and I want to bring this up, Dr. Tony, because this has just come out on February first, 2022. The United States Senate. It was the Homeland. It was the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs sent an, a letter to the Honorable Lloyd J. Austin, Secretary, Department of Defense. And this is what it, what it says. It talks about how they had that roundtable with Senator Johnson on January 24th, how they held that, that roundtable meeting. And at the roundtable, there was a testimony from Thomas Renz, an attorney who represents three Department of Defense whistleblowers who revealed disturbing information regarding dramatic increases in medical diagnosis among military personnel. And it says the concern is that these increases may be related to the COVID-19 vaccines that our servicemen and women have been mandated to take. And I want everyone to hear what the data that was presented, okay, from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. Remember, Dr. Tony just told you that the Defense Department doesn't have as much of an incentive to lie about the data. Okay, this is what it said. There were increases in registered diagnoses in 2021 for the following conditions. Hypertension, 2,181% increase. Nervous system diseases, 1,048% increase. Malignant neoplasms of the esophagus, 894% increase. MS, multiple sclerosis, 680% increase. Guys, it goes on and on. Female infertility. 472% increase. Pulmonary embolism, 
468% increase. Migraines, if you've gotten this shot and you're struggling with migraines, 452% increase. Guys, I, we will post this, but understand this is data from the De Department of Defense. Well, these are young people. There were actually increases in miscarriages and young yeah. people with cancer. I'm gonna give you another little bit of information. In September, very beginning, through a whistleblower that somehow made it to my you know, box to be able to see, the Department of Defense, they have great computers. They looked at 20 million people on Medicare and they who had you know, um, COVID were diagnosed throughout the hospital. And some of them are disability, but the overwhelming majority is people over 65, which is the majority of people who get COVID. And they saw that it was 60 to 40 vaccinated. Now remember in 2021, a lot of people didn't get vaccinated till March, April, May. And this is a data that goes to the end of August. And they already had 60% vaccinated that were hospitalized and, and then the data was a little bit higher that were dead that were vaccinated. And there's a reason for this. And I just, and, and so this data wasn't shared with the public, you know, and like I'm, I can go to small places and tell people, but they still can't connect the dots. The reason I mentioned this is because of the unscientific fear that they started to, with the vision, the clover pivot technique of, of creating division by putting people into unvaccinated and vaccinated, just so you know, and I'm sure the other doctors may have mentioned this, you know, this is not a vaccine, by the way, this is a medication. You know, this is an anti, you know, this is a messenger RNA medication, it's inoculation of a medication. It does not keep you like mumps and measles and all the other diseases from getting it. In other words, you are gonna be exposed to it. And we already have data that came out that proves that if you're, and this is out of English study, study because in, in, in socialized medicine places, they're not as political with their data, like in Italy in Italy and England and France, they'll give you more accurate numbers. And they actually saw that if you're 75 or 80 years old and you're 40 years old, you still have 15 times more chance as a 75 or 80 years old who's vaccinated versus a 40 year old who's unvaccinated. If you're 30 and under, unvaccinated versus 75 and older vaccinated, you have a 35%, uh, 40, I'm sorry, 35 times more chance of dying from COVID. That's 3,500%. I'm just trying to tell you this is, they are lying to you about the unvaccinated and vaccinated. The key, and this is why I give the talk to communities, I try to say the key is your immune system. You have to find ways to do your immune system. Talk about Italy, Bologna, they actually did a study that started in March with all their COVID cases at the end of February and went to the third week in April. They knew by the end of April, and we knew that having a BMI over 35, doesn't matter what age you are, increased your chances of dying from COVID. If your BMI was over 35, you increase your chances literally 30, I'm sorry, 15 times to die. <clears throat> if you're between 30 and 35, you increase your chances to die two and a half times. Where was it at the end of April, beginning of May, that people in our health department said, hey, the first things you could do is start losing weight, start eating better, start looking at your diet, start exercising more. In fact, what they did is stay inside, don't exercise, don't go to the gym. They, everything they did was the exact opposite of what a doctor that actually cares about human beings would recommend. So that's why I'm saying we have an agenda of lies. The vaccines don't work, I had said a year ago, that I would not be 
50% of people under 50 do not need the vaccine. The risks are, are greater than the benefits. And you can tell we have already 11,000 Americans who have died. And that's hard. And the Harvard study says it can be only 20% that report it. It might actually be more, five times more. So it's sad that this all happened. And, and so that's why I want to point out when we know the facts, then we can acknowledge it and then go on why it happened, why we what we can do to prevent it and what we can do to make it better for ourselves and for our nation. And that's kind of like my gist because I'm a total picture type of guy. So I have a question though, okay? So obviously we know this because we've been doing our research and our due diligence, okay? But for those people who only listen to, and they'll say, I don't just get my you know, my information from mainstream media, but they are, and, or their physicians are. No, truly, because even our hospital, you've seen Dr. Tony, I'm sure, our hospital here in town will post how many vaccinated versus unvaccinated people are in the ICUs or in their doctors will post it and say, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Right. We have a, that, that video that went viral with our physicians talking with Novant to try and scare people into getting vaccinated. Now, what because there's money more money for right but but how how are they getting away with saying that when the patients are actually unvaccinated because they and also they're not considered fully vaccinated even if they've had two shots or their booster whatever they're considering now and it's been less than 14 days since their last shot so then those are considered unvaccinated but they're showing everybody's saying it's massive it's massively uh, you know all unvaccinated people that are in the hospitals like that is what every single person that isn't actually looking at the facts is saying and believing right. it's gotten worse because with omicron it's actually the more you're vaccinated and have a booster, the higher chance you get of getting sick enough to go into the hospital. So, I mean, look, this is something that I, I hate to say it, but the left usually accuse the other side of the very things they're guilty of. And they just keep doing it and they do the wrong thing. And the truth is almost 100% the opposite of what they say. Look, social distancing. Do you know, does anybody know how you got the six feet? It was random arbitrary. You want to hear another story? What? Yeah, yeah. This is in, in Germany in the 1890s. There was a professor, a scientist. He didn't have very good equipment. He used uh, a viral in respiratory illness to measure how far the droplets went. And he measured about two meters, which is a little more than six feet. That's the only study that's been done to record to, to, to suggest that distance. Eight out of 10 studies that are much more modern and better it was between, and all 10 of them actually were all greater than six feet, but eight out of 10 put it at close to 26 feet. Yeah. So if you really want to distance yourself from social distancing from this virus, you need to be at least 26 feet away because the, you know, everybody knows they're aerosol. This is the stuff that they're saying that somehow it only goes a few feet is absurd. The only reason they did that, the six foot, was so that they can kill small business. They kept the big companies open. They, they had the small businesses closed down. They couldn't do the six foot rule. They couldn't do all the other things that were, that were done. And so it was done because if you kill small business, you ruin the economy of the country. This is a classic case, an example of trying to ruin us morally, militarily, financially, spiritually. Yes, and, well, and let's it, all... That, that Go yeah, ahead. And that was to your point, but the big corporations have the lobbyists and they're in bed with Washington, D.C. So that's also probably a big part of it. 
is these big Walmart, the Walmarts of the world have the political connections that your small uh, store on the corner does not have. And so right. you, we all have to start to know that money and power have everything to do with so much of the decision. Like, like the billionaires, like the yeah, billionaires. Exactly. Look, I can, I'm going to give you a lesson here on China. This all goes back to China. Uh, we knew, you know, starting with Obamacare is about control, but we knew China saw a way of trying to control. So they buy more and more of our property, you have more and more of their students come in and spy for them and steal, you know, our, our intellectual property. They do all of this because there's a one goal. They, they smooth our politicians. It all started with Kissinger, a Republican. And when he got out of office in the 80s and 90s, he smooths, made a lot of money. He stole an apologist for China. Same thing happened with Clintons. The same thing happened with the Bidens, et cetera. And we know who else got involved. Microsoft in the 90s, who was in charge of Microsoft? Gates, who's a good friend of Gates. Oh, Fauci, your favorite guy. And guess what? They were all together at the Wuhan lab at one time. You saw a picture of Melissa Gates and, and Gates and, uh, and Fauci all together there. And so you knew they had something up their sleeve because they're friends. So the whole thing with China is they are smoothing all the tech. They're stealing our technology. It's getting to the point, it's not just Facebook and Twitter and Google, Google going back to Smith when he was the head of Google. Um, they got to the point now, they're actually stealing our AI because the next thing that's gonna be big is artificial, uh, the artificial intel intelligence that if we, if they beat that to us to that, um, they're going to do things that massively change things in our country from the outside, just like they did with, you know, the voting in 2020. There's a lot of things you can do that get done. Um, and China is the problem. You know, you, we talked about good and evil. We have evil. We have people who endorse evil. They are the tech people. They are some of the business people and bankers who make money over there. It's some of the politicians who gain, who gain from that. And we have information that's obvious there if you do a little bit of research. And Gates goes even further. Gates has made it very clear that he's a eugenic. He needs to, wants the population to decrease. And how better to decrease with a virus that kills older people, especially, or people who are more immunocompromised. And don't think this is the last virus that they're having gain of function on. They're doing it now, and we don't know when the next one's going to come. These people are very well planned, and they are evil, and we need to, to confront it for what it is. And we're having the Olympics in China. That's, that's just, just a very interesting connection there, right? That we are now going to go subject ourselves to that. I, I still don't understand why we're while we're participating in this right now, I think there is such an undermining of the real risk of the Chinese Communist Party. And in fact, I just, this arrived at my house today. You probably have this book already, Dr. Tony, but it's Peter Schweizer. I love his right. stuff because he will, he will give the resources. This, you know, a huge part of his book are the sources that he is working from, but it's called Red Handed, Profiles in Corruption. And he, it's the guy who wrote Profiles in Corruption, another great book, but it's called Red Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. And, that, right. and he says that that's China's strategy now. They know they can take us down by getting in the pockets of our elites. It's about right. money and power with the elites. And then that's how they'll take over. And um, they have the patience to wait to do that. Yeah, yeah. He, he points out even McConnell. McConnell is a guy, he's a Republican, the head of the Senate. His wife is, is, is from China and their family. They're all communists. It's all this yep. and that. It's I both mean, parties. We have, both we have parties. the problem. We have the problem at every level because the human spirit isn't about, like for us, we're biblical. 
we know we don't take our riches with us, that our riches is our faith in, in Jesus Christ. And we know how to take care of his children, because if we see everybody as their children, we're not going to think about politics or ruining other people or canceling them or doing things or shutting them down or hurting them and doing policies. And that's that's the sad thing for us who understood this, you know, more than 10 years ago. It was obvious from the beginning what the goal was. And I knew lockdowns. I'm going to give you another little story on Lancet. Lancet in 2015 pointed out all of Europe. They had 2009 and 10, they had a recession just like they had here in the United States. We already had data because they looked at how many extra cancer deaths they were when people are poor. When you had a lockdown, what did we have? All the stores, small businesses, they all went out of business. There was increased poverty in our country. Well, this happened in a recession in the United States and also in Europe, but they, they looked at the data. The data gave over 225,000 extra cancer deaths in that time period. And Europe had a population of twice the United States. So you would know in a year, we're gonna have an extra 100,000 cancer deaths. Cancer deaths aren't even as much as heart disease. You're gonna know there's over 100,000 heart deaths. And we already know of the extra 40,000 drug deaths and homicides and, and, and suicides and all the other things that people, alcoholic, drug, uh, car deaths, all these things add up and kill extra people. And so therefore, they never looked at the, the picture. They say, oh, that's an unintended consequence. No, it's not an unintended consequence. It's intended because they're trying to create chaos and division and separate people into not agreeing, which is why I love, love your show, because you're trying to get people together. But the only way we're going to get together, which will bring me to eventually, what do we do about it? Let me. Let me give a point on the, the fact that you got to take care of yourself. Now that you know they're not telling you the truth, you can't trust them with your health care. You got to take care of yourself. That means you got to become more informed. And I tell people, look, I, I try to tell people I don't follow it all the time. I follow it now because I'm semi-retired. But when I was busy, it's pretty hard to follow. And I said, you got to do three things. You got to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. And they have to be pretty equal. And you should devote you know, up to three hours of each a week. And if you do that, you're gonna be in better shape. Physically, we all know, you gotta get, get your weight down, exercise, not be addicted. If you are addicted, that takes away everything else physically. So you gotta get off of an addiction. And you got to then not only eat correctly, you know, I when I was in Italy, speaking of medical schools, I was in Sardinia. And there I learned a plant-based diet. And uh, I knew the, the, the value of vegetables back then, you know, cause I was a young kid from the Bronx, you know, I didn't eat that stuff. We just ate pasta. And uh, went on from there. So I learned what a good diet was. And, and, and that needs to be explained to people. I tell so many patients, I said, you just don't, you've never been taught. Because in the South, they have lots of foods that are rich in things that are bad, that are carbs related, and it, it hurts them. And so you got to re-educate people. Then I get into the mental part. And that's something you touched upon before, the attitude. See, I tell people mentally, it's, it's just like physical. If you can do something, whether it's reading or word games or puzzles, crosswords, whatever it is, you need to exercise 30, 40 minutes a day, your brain, so that you can constantly start learning how to think. Because once your brain is working, it starts working better and better. The more you work it, the better it'll be in the long run. So I tell people, and then, I, you know, it gets into attitude and how you approach things. You have to be an optimist. You can't look at things down. You have to be about hope and love. And that's where I get into the spiritual part, whether it's prayer, whether it's hope and love. And most importantly, something my mother, 97 years old, still doesn't have to this day, 
how lucky she is. She doesn't understand the concept of gratitude. She has no gratitude and you need gratitude to stay healthy because then you can put it in perspective. We're all gonna be challenges. We're all gonna have tribulations in our life that try us, but we need to know how to handle it. And we do it better with optimism, love and hope than anything else. That's what's gonna get our immune system better. Masks hurt your immune system. Distancing hurts your immune system. You're not interacting with they did with the schools, et cetera. You're not interacting with your fellow man. All of these things they did, the vaccines, the, the risk outweighed, the benefits in many cases, all of these things they did, early treatment probably, we could have saved a lot of lives and very inexpensive medicines. Everything that was done was done that was against what is good for our soul. And what's good for our soul is to combine your physical, mental, and spiritual aspect to how to take care of yourself. And if you do that, you're in better place. And look, it's hard. It's hard to get nine, 10 hours a week to devote to all these things. I mean, everybody knows that, but you do the best you can and you work towards that goal, you're going to be in better shape. But one thing, like I said, first thing should have been get your weight down because that is really, other than age, the second most important thing that killed people with COVID was weight in terms of quantity. And, you know, then you had certain types of pre-existing conditions. And as you know, the people that died, you eventually found out they had to have three, four or five comorbidities actually die, the majority of them. So we learned all this stuff. So taking care of yourself is so, so important. We kind of know why they did it. They did it for their power base and control and for wrong reasons, because they misguide that when communism comes in, it's going to take away our individual rights. When government gets bigger and it's all about just money and doesn't isn't a good steward of our money, it's going to ruin us. So we know all of that. And if you don't do that, you're going to be in a situation where everybody's harmed. And I'm going to tell you right now, the United States, if we lose our freedom and liberty and become more tyrannical, the rest of the world suffers because we are the moral leaders of the world. We're not perfect, but we have been the moral leaders. We're the first country that doesn't win a war and just take over the country before World War II. It, it didn't happen. It happened. But all of the countries just took over. We changed that that ball game because we were the superpower. And if we can't be in charge of that, the world will go down, evil will win. And that's why we have to educate. We know what works for us, morally, spiritually, medically, in terms of everything else, politically also, we know what works. As you said, our freedom, what our founding fathers wanted. And look, nothing was done perfectly. We had one sin with slavery. I believe we have a big sin now too. I'm a big pro-life person. You know, I have to be in a cardiologist dealing with ultrasound. I saw that in 1984, I got to see ultrasounds of the heart and then I got to see other ultrasounds in comparison. And I just realized, man, at seven weeks, it's a little baby. And I already understood all of that stuff. And I realized, you know, the, the, that this is a big sin that we're doing in this country because 99.9% .9 of the abortions are done as a birth control mechanism and not for reasons that involve the health or, or rape or incest. And so we know all of this. So we are a country that's flawed, but we are still the best hope on earth in terms of saving it. And that's why I think we got to put it all together. Biblically, we need to be warriors. The reason we have warriors, guess what? 2,000 people from here in North Carolina, Fort Bragg, are going over to Eastern Europe on this mm -hmm. fake, you know, pent up thing with, with Ukraine and Russia. And they're all going there and they're risking their lives and in the past, every generation risked their lives for us. And we have to become warriors and risk everything we got for the next generation. Because if we don't do it, they win. And, you know, Reagan, you know, the famous statement, every generation, you've got to 
be understand that it can be lost like that. Like and that. And, that. And that's what we've, we've gotten soft. We, we've taken it for granted. We've not been challenged an, as much as the previous generations. And so there's a weakness. You know, I tell my boys, nothing's born strong. Strength is built through adversity you know, and, and being challenged. And you know, just like your muscles, you know, you've got you to put them to the test to make them stronger. And we have taken this for granted. And I think the biggest cry of my heart to every listener is that you realize the freedom you have, you inherited from God first and your forefathers and those who stand on a wall have tried to preserve it, but it is on us too. It is not just on the military. It's not just on elected officials. It is on each and every one of us to defend freedom and to understand that it is not something you own, it's something you get up and fight for to preserve every single day. And if you are quiet, when you see freedoms being eroded, you're complicit in the erosion of those freedoms. You have to have the willingness and understand that our, our life as we know it could be seriously on the line. And that right. we, we have, have to, be, to. We have to be not just warriors for our nation, we need to be warriors for God. Yes. And if we are warriors for yes. God, we'll get back to not fear and despair, but love and hope. And if we get back to love and hope, we actually, you know, and get God's word and involvement in our lives on a one-to-one -one basis, which is why individuality in the American system works, why we are a nation under God, because we're not sheep. We're not just part of a group that does what they're told and only learns what we're told but we actually learn how to think so that we can think ourselves and develop our unique one-to-one -one relationship so that we can help others. I mean, look, we all have purpose on this earth and, and God bless us. I used to say, why am I so unlucky? All this stuff that would happen to me. And I realized after a while, I got all of this was a way of hearting me, as you said, and learning, getting to the point where I got to learn and then I can help people more that God led you to a certain thing. And then you have to be grateful that you were privileged enough to be given that chance because other people get snuffed and they don't get that chance. So it's, it's quite a privilege to be in that position where you can actually help other human beings. And that's right. Well, no, I was just gonna say like, so, so what is it that we can do as individuals to help get us out of this hole, out of this mess, to get us reunited, to get us back on the right path? Do you have any advice for us, our listeners on what are the things that we can actually do? What, what's your guess? Do you think I have advice or not? Of course, <laughs> of course, but you do, because I've been talking about this for eleven years. Bottom line is, look what's done in Canada: the truckers. That civil disobedience that's going to have an effect because they're actually stopping and making a point, as much as they downplay it. By the way, Justin Trudeau's another person who's in bed. His father was in bed with China. By the way, anyway. Um, the, the fact is, we're going to be able to do that. We do that here in the United States, have some civil disobedience. You know, I wanted people to not wear masks. I mean, I'm lucky here in, in this county, they were about to vote for a mask thing just a few weeks ago. And I wrote this letter and I just said, hey, you're going to be judged by God one day. You can't be hurting people like this. You're hurting kids. And I happen to know of one person on the board there and they were, you know, like touched by, 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 by what I said and giving some evidence also. But the bottom line is we each can do something. We have to educate others doing what you're doing, like this, this, this show, this podcast. You help your family, the people near you, your friends. Um, we have to understand what's bad. We have to pray. Some people don't realize the power of prayer. I've seen prayer help people to the point that it saved their lives. You know, I'm a cardiologist. We were there, life and death, had to make decisions quickly. But I was so lucky because I learned young. I would go in the days it was a, a, a chapel, a Roman Catholic chapel. Now it's non-denominational. 
every day before I started, if I didn't have an emergency and pray that God would help me take care of patients and everything. And I know that over a 40 year career that I've had less um, bad results, let's just say, than others in my same situation. And I know it's not because I'm good. I know it's because I had help. And, and once you have that type of relationship and humility, you're going to find it works out because I'm not the only one that knows that. There are other doctors that I know that do that. Unfortunately, the doctors around here don't speak up. They're not loud mouths like I am because I look at it. I don't answer to this community. I answer to God. And, and the truth is the only thing that's going to be judged at the end. And I'm willing, if, if I go today, to be judged you know, by what I've done lately um, as much as I can. And like anything else, Everybody has their place. Everybody has their purpose. And sometimes you have to search for it, Amy. And just to the point that you know, hey, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. The fact that you're from the other side, technically, and are listening, is already a big win. You know, the fact that you're open to all of this. Because I'm going to tell you, I have kids and other people's, my friends' kids, they're totally, they close it down. Just like the media, the tech giants and everything, they shut down discussion, discourse. And it's horrible because... If I'm wrong, I'm okay with being wrong. I want to learn. But the fact is of not being able to learn makes it harder for anybody to say anything. And then you have totalitarianism, only one way of thought, which is un-American, is ungodly, and it's just wrong. It's just not the way to go. Yeah, I think what I love that. Thank you so much. I, I have like just a, one thing to add. Well, a couple things just real quick. I know we want to wrap it up. But one thing I always remember is um, it's Helen Keller that, that quoted it. I believe that alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And I think so many people think that, you know, if you're listening, that one person isn't going to make a difference or you saying something isn't going to make a difference, but it will. It takes one person to stand up and speak out. And then you would be so surprised at how many people will say, oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been feeling this, but I thought I was feeling crazy, but I'm so glad to know that you're doing this. And you're going to have people that don't agree. But I think the most important thing is to continue to be the light and to love people through the differences so that they see that you still love them anyway. And it goes back to the love, acceptance and everything. And I really feel like despite all the division and, and hate and just everything that's happened through all of this, I truly see that it's actually unified us. And it's brought about the appreciation, uh, like y'all said, of freedom. I, I took it for granted. Right. I absolutely took it for granted. I took for granted what I've had my entire life and I take ownership of it. And now it's also time for all of us to take ownership. You know, they say do for that neighbor. If we want to do for our neighbor and our next generations, it is on us right now to stand up for what we believe in. And if we can put our head down on the pillow at night, knowing that we did the right thing and that we didn't stand back and shut up and we weren't scared and we stood up, it's not about like, um, like fighting in a mean, bad, evil way. This is like fighting for love and truth and just everything that we have right now so we can keep it, yeah. <laughs> you know? As, as Ben Franklin used to say, if we can keep it. Yes. That yeah. had to do with the, our former government. Yeah. That was one of my lines in one of my books. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I right. also quoted Nancy Pelosi, which she says, you have to pass the bill before you know what's in it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh Lordy. I quoted sure, her another too. one of our faves. Another <laughs> another favorite Italian of mine. <laughs> What's up with the Italians, Dr. Tony? <laughs> they're either they're either mobsters or they're good good people. They're they can go either people. way. It's kind of like oh. the country. 
Well, you're good with people, Dr. Tony. Yes. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for having me. It's been so, great. Yeah, where can, where can people like follow you? You can tell us your books. Like, yeah. so well, they, to... My books are on uh, a website, Dr. Tony Mag, D-R-T-O-N-Y-M-A-G.com. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. You can find and Dr. It's got my email, uh, Facebook connection. I okay. write philosophical things on Facebook every once in a while, and sometimes they take it down. When I worry about masks and stuff, they took it all down in the beginning. Shocking. Vaccines. <laughs> uh, Kristen can talk, can talk to you more offline about being um, uh, ostracized on, by Instagram and Facebook. So trust yeah. me, we know, we know what that's like. <laughs> Dr. Tony, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your wisdom, the insight, the experience, the knowledge that you shared with our listeners today. I think it's so important. Like we say every week, you know, we don't want to tell you what to think. We want to challenge you to do it and, and to learn how to do it. As, as Dr. Tony said, doing those puzzles. And uh, my dad was always told, learn how to play chess. As he had a professor in engineering school said, learn how to play chess. So you learn how to think, right? Think about how this move can impact your future move. Next and the yeah. future. And that's what we got to get back to, because sometimes it's just like to, to bring it all back to the universal healthcare where we started. It sounds great. Free stuff sounds great until you see what it ultimately costs because everything costs and it's not just financial. It costs us freedom and it costs us intellectual capital. It, it costs us the incentives to do better, learn more and get better. So thank you, Dr. Tony. We look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Yes, yes. it's been a pleasure. Thank you, you guys, so much. You guys were great, thank you. All right, bye-bye, have a great day. Bye-bye.